Well, I guess this is just my summer body now. I see you, friend, trying on the swimsuit, the tank tops, the shorts, and wishing you had made more progress since January. Now you're feeling like you might as well abandon hope until the fall because of summer barbecues, vacations, and travel, and the stress of the kids being out of school. The summer holidays can feel like food temptations and sugar everywhere, like food pushers at parties trying to get you to eat what they made, like people you have to see who talk about topics you don't want to talk about, like foods that are only available this time of year and you struggle with fear of missing out, and like being halfway through the year and judging yourself for not being further along in your goals. You do not have to wait until after the summer to prioritize your health. You don't have to resign yourself to stress, exhaustion, deprivation, discomfort, and shame over the summer holidays. The Self-Care Keto Holiday Guide will help you navigate the food opportunities of the summer holidays from a mindset of self-care with a 50-page, easy-to-use, downloadable and printable guide, 26 easy keto holiday recipes, and a holiday planner exercise that you can reuse holiday after holiday, year after year. You will design a plan that is focused on what you will actually enjoy because it's your summer too. You'll uncover the people-pleasing mindsets that cause you to self-sabotage on holidays. You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll have exciting new recipes that everyone will love. You'll know how to handle food pushers and awkward food conversations. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating. You'll know how to succeed anywhere, at home, at someone else's house, even at a restaurant or traveling. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets. And you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a holiday. You can instantly download your copy at theketofit.com slash holiday. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Jess, and I am also your self-care keto coach. I love helping women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset because there's basically two reasons why you haven't lost the weight yet. When I, whenever I talk to women, it boils down to one of these two things. Number one is you haven't actually found this, the right strategy yet, the strategy that is going to actually work for you to lose weight without feeling punished, deprived, restricted, hungry, all of the things, right? So we need the right strategy, but we also need the right mindset. And that's the second reason that I find why women just haven't lost the weight yet, because you haven't gotten to the root of the issue, which is discovering the beliefs that are actually stopping you from implementing long-term the strategy that you know will actually work. So weight loss is just really kind of math, right? Um, But there's so much more to it because of the stories that we tell ourselves and because of the screwed up beliefs that we've learned about food and weight and body image. And I am so passionate about blending these two things together. And that's really what this podcast is all about. You don't have to actually be eating keto to lose weight. It's not the only way to lose weight, but I'm really passionate about it because it's something that really changed absolutely everything for me. Um, It was the first thing that I found where I didn't have to feel hungry, that it actually felt easy and enjoyable and kind of like a secret potion that nobody ever told me about. And so I'm so passionate about getting the word out. Um, And I really credit keto with giving me 
the physiological capacity, the mental and emotional capacity to do the inner work to then go heal all of these beliefs so that I could actually have the ability to stick with this strategy long-term. And so that's the journey that I went on. That's the journey that I help all of my clients to go on. And I'm just so excited that you are here, that you're listening. I've been meeting so many of you who tell me that you find me through my podcast. You end up signing up for my email list. And if you give me your phone number, I text you, I reach out. I'm a real person. I don't have anybody else working for me. I'm a solopreneur. So chances are if you you sign up for my email list or you start following me on Instagram. I'm a real person and I'm going to say hi to you and I love um, just connecting with you. So make sure that if you're not yet that you um, do sign up for my email list. You can just go over to theketofit.com and you'll get a little prompt from me to sign up. You'll get my free recipe guide and encouraging emails coming from me several times a week. Um, You can also follow me on social media. I post there every single day. So I'm on Instagram most actively. I am the Keto Fit or at the Keto Fit, all one word. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So I try to be everywhere that I actually enjoy being. I don't really like being on Twitter or Clubhouse or um, TikTok yet. (laughs) Maybe someday. But yeah, that's where you can find me. So I just got back from a 10-day trip to Alaska, celebrating my husband's 40th birthday, celebrating my five-year business anniversary as a weight loss coach. So we had an incredible time. Oh my God, it was absolutely gorgeous and so fun to see that part of the world. Um, We flew first class for the very first time. It was so fun. That's something that's been on my bucket list was to fly first class and also just to go to Alaska. So I have some more fun trips coming up that I'll be sharing with you guys. So I'm going to get to go to Portugal in the fall. Um, That's where my ancestry is from originally. So I'm really excited about that. And yeah, I've just been really, really enjoying showing up here on the podcast. And honestly, probably my favorite episode that I've ever recorded was a couple of episodes ago. It was called How to Set Your Food Boundaries. And it uses a really fun metaphor of setting up your food dartboard. So if you struggle with the all or nothing mentality and you feel like you're constantly just on or off a diet or your definition of success is so narrow, (laughs) then you feel like as soon as you screw that up, that you might as well just go off the rails. Please, please, please go listen to that episode called How to Set Food Boundaries, because I'm going to be expanding in the next couple of episodes, um, not today's episode, but in future episodes on this idea of like your food dartboard. And probably in the next couple of weeks here, I'm going to be doing another episode on how to... um, incorporate hormones into your food boundaries. Because I don't know if you are a cycling woman like me, you know, you get like a regular menstrual cycle. um, But that definitely plays a role. So I've got another fun metaphor for you and how to use the concept of your dartboard to kind of take hormones into consideration. And how should you eat differently at different times of the month or not how should you because I don't want to dictate to you what you should do, but how could you eat differently and um, use that to your advantage and find (laughs) a lot more happiness and peace when you actually take hormones into consideration. So that's going to be coming soon. And then I know a lot of you guys have found me uh, probably through the recent two-part episode that I did with Crystal from at Crystal Loses over on Instagram, and it's called um, Keto versus WW or Weight Watchers. And so I think a lot of Um, A lot of you are new because you started listening to that episode of the podcast, so welcome. Or if you have been listening for a while and you haven't had a chance to check that out, make sure you do. Um, 
something that a lot of you have reached out to me about and have just said, wow, thank you so much. That episode helped me so much. Um, it was so needed because you really, um, maybe not necessarily Weight Watchers itself, but you keep hopping on and off keto um, or trying to find something else that feels, aside from keto, something that feels a little bit more quote unquote normal, right? Like you just want to eat normal. Why can't I just eat normal like everybody else? Why can't I just eat whatever I want in moderation and lose weight or at least maintain my weight? Like, and it just feels so unfair. Um, and it just feels like unrealistic and you just want to fight about it or be mad about it, <laughs> you know? And so, but then you wind up realizing that you're only hurting yourself when you start believing that way again, right? So why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everybody else? Oh my goodness. I have felt this way so many times. So many of my clients feel this way. And so if that's you, um, this episode is for you today. So this is an interview that I did with Shanna Husson. She is a fantastic nutritionist. And um, we talk all about this concept of what does it even mean to eat normal? And uh, maybe thinking about that a little bit differently. Um, so there, I've got a really cool um, reframe for you guys in this episode, the difference between being normal and being common, right? And so stay tuned in for that because it, it'll really flip things around for you. Um, a couple of other things before we jump into the episode, though, is I, um, I mentioned, you know, hey, follow me on, on Instagram, reach out to me. I just want to let you guys know that like, I love helping you all so much and just interacting with you. When you reach out to me, I'm a real person and I would just honestly love to just give you any kind of tips, tricks, advice, whatever. I help people in my DMs for free all the time. And like, I really am so overjoyed to interact with you. So please don't be afraid to reach out and think that, you know, I'm just trying to sell you on the next thing or whatever. Like, yeah, of course I would love, I would love to work with you because I believe I can help you. And yeah, of course I have, uh, you know, things that I've created, digital resources that I think really would help you, but one of the most important things to me is that um, I want you to feel safe. I want you to know that I'm not pressury. I'm not salesy. Your nervous system is so important to me. We talk about nervous system all the time here, right? Um, you know, and a lot of us have past trauma. And so I really hate um, that sense of like urgency, like do it now or being sneaky or anything. Like if you ever want to know what it's like to work with me, all of my prices are up on my website. Like I'm not the type of person that's like, let's get on a call and then I'll make you feel X, Y, and Z and then spring the price on you. Like <laughs> I hate all of that stuff. So I make it a point to be, just be the total opposite of that. And, you know, I want to help you however I can. Not everybody can afford to work with a coach and I try to make different offerings at different price points so that I can help you in any way possible. Um, I've got monthly mindset classes that are usually right around $22. I've got some digital guides that can really help you out. My holiday guide um, is priced at 14 no, $19. My restaurant guide is priced at $14. I've got um, a self-coaching program. So it's basically like an online course where you can coach yourself and I teach you all the things and that's priced at $3.97. And then, you know, my higher ticket offer is to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, of course. So yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that. But apart from any of that, the, this podcast is free. Following me on social media is free. Um, get in my DMs and I would love to answer any questions for you or just even help you process through something from a mindset perspective. So I'm here for you. And honestly, like, I just celebrated my five-year business anniversary. Like, I am so grateful every day. Like, I came back from that trip and I was like, I remember when I would end a vacation and have to go back to a J-O-B. You know, like, I always loved what I did. I always found meaning and purpose in what I did, right? Like, that's because that's just who I am. Um, but truly, like, this is my dream job. I cannot believe that I've created my dream job. And um, I just love 
but I get to coach you guys. I get to make this podcast and all of the things. So, all right. I have waxed poetic for long enough. I've gotten mushy in my feelings, (laughs) but, um, one one last thing is that I want to let you all know that as I'm trying to grow the podcast, I'm doing a special incentive to leave a review for the podcast. So especially if you are on Apple, on iPhone, or any kind of Apple device, MacBook, iPod, anything like that, if you have an Apple device and you leave a review um, of this podcast and hopefully a five-star review, but if you leave me a review and then send me a screenshot of your review, um, you can DM it to me on social, you can email me, theketofit at gmail.com, but um, show me a screenshot that you left a review and I will send you one of my guides for free. So you can choose between my holiday guide or my restaurant guide, and I would just appreciate it so much if you would help me to grow the podcast by doing that. So, all right, without further ado, we're going to get into the topic of why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? You don't have to eat every meal at home and stick rigidly to a boring meal plan to be successful. You don't have to sacrifice pleasure and fun to get results. In fact, you'll probably self-sabotage if you do it that way. In the Self-Care Keto Restaurant Guide, I take you through a plan to navigate the food opportunities of eating out at restaurants from a mindset of self-care. It's a 38-page, easy-to-use, downloadable, and printable guide, and yes, I tell you exactly what to order at 41 different restaurants, fast food chains, and genres of cuisine, including American, Indian, Italian, Mexican, Chinese, Thai, sushi, etc. But here's what else you'll get from this guide. You'll feel confident and relaxed about going out to eat, whether you choose to eat keto or to have a planned deviation from it. You'll learn about and celebrate your personality type and how that impacts your food choices. Are you an abstainer or a moderator and what do you do about it? You'll learn how to have a planned deviation or a carb up when going out to eat without any guilt or drama. You'll learn how to incorporate carb cycling into your social plans and going out to eat. You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating on special occasions or even just on the weekends. You'll know how to succeed at any kind of restaurant from fast food to fine dining. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets, and you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a deviation. Head on over to theketofit.com restaurant to grab your copy today. Jess, welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you here again. We're going to be talking mindset today. So I feel like on the podcast, we haven't touched on that subject a whole lot. So we're really excited to have you back here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back with you as well. Yeah, thanks. Yes. And anybody who wants to know more about Jess's story, her, you know, how she got into this space, please go back and listen to the first episode that we had with Jess. So yeah, we'll talk all about mindset today. So first, Jess, tell us what's going on in your, in your world and in your business real quick. And then we'll hop right into a couple of topics that we would like to discuss about mindset today. Yes. Oh, well, everything's going great in my world. My daughter's in kindergarten this year, and I can't believe she's going to be graduating from kindergarten and like time just flies so fast. I'm excited for daylight savings time and 
business is good. I was just telling you before we started recording that I'm loving working with clients one-on-one. That's really like my sweet spot and what absolutely just fills me up. But I am doing something new as well, which is to offer a monthly mindset class for people who um, are maybe just like, I don't really know you yet. I'm not quite ready to sign up for one-on-one, but what are you all about? So I do a monthly mindset class. We have a different topic every single month. And this month, actually, it is about how to overcome self-sabotage by rewiring the beliefs that are holding you back. And so I'll give some information at the end for how people can, um, you know, sign up for that. But that's kind of on the topic of what we're going to talk about today to dig into some of that stuff. Yeah. So we'll link all of Jess's information down in the show notes and how you can enroll in the classes and all of that. So perfect. Um, so I know you work with clients on changing mindsets and beliefs yes. when it comes to health and weight loss. What do you find are some of the most common beliefs that you find are holding people back? Because sometimes people have all the knowledge in the world, you know, they might know more than you and I about nutrition and health and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, exercise, all of that stuff, but it's more the mindset piece that's holding them back. So what do you feel are some of the most common beliefs that are really just, you know, kind of getting people stuck in their health journey? Yeah, totally. And I know we work with like a similar clientele. We have a similar focus and overlap, but I say I help people lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. So I'm actually more heavily trained as a life coach than I am in nutrition training. And so um, I really appreciate that we just have so much, you know, love and respect for one another because we have different niches and different backgrounds. Um, So I do focus, I, I have some nutrition training, but I focus most heavily on mindset stuff with people because I do find the majority of the people, at least that are drawn to me, it's not a matter of that they don't know what to eat, right? It's it's not that they don't know what to do. It's just that they lack the motivation to do it because we become our own biggest enemy, right? We become our own biggest obstacle. And usually it's the beliefs that are holding us back. So most people, when they're trying to make a change in their life, they only focus on kind of like the outermost layers of the onion, right? So we're, we're very layered as individuals. So we want different results, Um, the outermost layer of our life, look around, you see the results in your life, right? And so the layer right below that is your behavior. And so you think, well, I just need to change my behavior to get different results. Yes, that's absolutely true. But we forget that there's so many layers below that. So what's influencing our behavior? Well, it's our thoughts and our feelings. What's influencing those is our beliefs at the core of who we are. And so ultimately, in the long run, um, we can Um, manipulate our behaviors through willpower and white knuckling it for a limited amount of time. And eventually our willpower runs out or life smacks us upside the head and we default to survival mode and just go on autopilot to whatever our habits are. Um, And so that what's running the show, like in our subconscious and just our habitual default state, it's our beliefs, right? And so if we want to change our behavior long-term, if we want our behavior to flow with ease, effortlessly, that it just feels enjoyable and easy. We actually need to get all the way down to the layer of our beliefs. So beliefs is something that I explore with my clients a lot, and we call them limiting beliefs in the life coaching world. Like these are things that are holding you back and you don't necessarily realize it, but when you have somebody actually taking the time to listen to you, it is just spewing out of your mouth and you don't even necessarily hear it until you start saying it out loud, right? And so your question was, what are some of the most common beliefs that I see holding people back? Yes. So I hear these things all the time. Um, I'll never lose weight. No matter what I do, I'll never lose weight. Um, It doesn't even matter. Forget it. It's not even that important to me. I'm just going to forget about it. I'll just learn to be happy and I'll just settle. You know, it's not worth it. Um, 
look around at the people in my family, my DNA is stacked against me. Like my DNA determines my destiny. Um, I'm just broken. I'm just a screwed up person. I've got too many, I have too much baggage in my past. Like I just can't, no matter what, I'm just a broken person or my body is fighting me. Um, no matter what I do, it's like my body is just fighting against me. I'm doing all the right things. I just don't understand it. My body is like my enemy. Um, where's my motivation? What's wrong with me? Um, why am I so good at showing up for other people, but I can't show up for myself. So why is it so hard? That's another one that I hear all the time. Why does this have to be so hard? Um, and then the one that I told you that I wanted to focus on today, I hear this all the time. Why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? <laughs> it's not fair. Right. And so that's the one that I find, um, first of all, is completely not even true, right? Like how do you move through a belief? Like I, we can talk about that, but like taking, taking through the process today of like, let's actually dismantle that and try to overcome that belief because it is um, creating your reality. Whatever question you ask your brain, your brain's gonna give you an answer for it. And so we need to ask ourselves better questions and we can create a different reality for ourselves by choosing intentional thoughts. And we can actually rewire the beliefs that are holding us back. Um, most of us, it's not like we chose those beliefs. They were conditioned into us from the time that we were very small. And so with so much self-compassion for anybody that's listening right now, like it's not your fault that you have all of these beliefs in your head. You absorbed them. It's the air that we breathe. It's like a toxic culture around us, kind of much like what we've been talking about with like racism, thankfully over the past several years. Like it's the air that you breathe. You don't even realize how insepid it is. It just seeps into you without you even being aware. And it's the same thing with this diet culture mentality. Sure. I, I was going to, I have a lot uh, or a couple of the same ones that you mentioned that yeah. I hear from clients a lot. Like you said, you do more of the mindset. I'm more of the, I really don't know what to eat. <laughs> there mm -hmm. are so many conflicting viewpoints. This magazine or article or online person or influencer is telling me this and this one's mm -hmm. telling me that. And it's like, I, I truly just don't know at this point. So that's, that's more of, of my clientele and very metabolically sick. That's more yeah. my clientele, like obesity, um, metabolic disease, diabetes, pre-diabetes where we can reverse that. But some of those same thought patterns I see over and over and over. And like you mentioned, the one that the two that I see the most is I'm born this way. So mm -hmm. like you said, I think that message has just been out there for so long. It's like, oh, well, my parents had diabetes my parents had heart disease. My parents had this, or all my siblings are overweight. Yeah. That's just how I am. You know, that's uh -huh. my genetic code. And I've talked about this several times on the podcast. I'm the only average healthy sized person in my immediate family. Like I am too. Yeah. And, um, very clearly, like if you look at a picture of my parents and my sisters, like I'm the only one who is of a healthy weight there. Not that my sisters don't try or want, mm -hmm. want to be healthier. It's just, and I've had, it's interesting because I've had family members, friends, like what's the difference? Like how come you are how you are and, and other family members are how they are. And it's like, yeah. well, I have a different mindset. Number one. And my day to day is very different. Mm. The fuel that I use is different. <laughs> you know, my approach to life is different. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of things, but yeah, I hear that a lot. I'm born this way. And yes, 
um, genetics play a role, but it's 70% lifestyle and how you're going to turn mm -hmm. those, that genetic code on or off and maybe even higher than that. Um, right. But yeah, definitely we, we need to get past that and work through that. And then the other one that I had thought of that I hear from my clients a lot also is I'm broken. Like there's just mm -hmm. something wrong with me. It's like, no, you are not broken. The messaging and the education oh, yeah. you have been fed is broken yes. and outdated and not true. And yeah. if you, you, if you learn the correct messaging and education and get your mind right, you are not broken. Like the human body is meant to be healthy and thrive. It's not meant to be sick. It's not meant to be yeah. ill. It's not meant to be overweight. It's not meant to carry a hundred extra pounds. Like that's, that's not how we're designed. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so I definitely see those limiting beliefs in my clients as well. So, so very yeah. interesting. So yeah. how do you help clients overcome the beliefs that are holding them back, including, you know, the one that, that you mentioned to be kind of that your top limiting belief that you see with your clientele? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, um, it's basically just asking yourself a better set of questions. Honestly, whatever you ask yourself, you're going to get an answer for. So if you ask yourself, what's wrong with me, your brain's going to give you a list of reasons of what's wrong with you, including whatever has been told to you. Like, oh, you know, the one for me was like, I have a slow metabolism. Like mm -hmm. I grew up as an overweight child and I would ask like, why am I, why do I have a twin sister? We eat the same foods and I'm overweight and she's not. And I was just told, well, you have a slow metabolism. Like right. it's just genetic, right? Um, so you'll get answers to the questions that you're asking yourself. If you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? If you ask yourself, why does this have to be so hard? Your brain's going to give you a whole list of reasons of why it's hard, right? If you ask yourself, why is this not so this, why is this so unfair? Your brain's going to, you know, answer that for you. So a lot of times why questions can be really, really unhelpful. Um, same thing in personal conversation. Like I never... I very rarely start a question with any of my clients with the word why, because yeah. it instantly puts you on defense. A much better question is to start with what or how. So ask, instead of asking yourself, why is this so hard? You could say, oh, how can I make this easier? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. same exact topic, totally much more productive, right? So self-inquiry and letting your brain go to work for you is really the way to move through some of those things. But it kind of starts with a fundamental belief um, or just a realization that you are not your thoughts. You are the compassionate, wise observer of your thoughts. You don't have to believe every thought that comes to your head. You don't have to be judgmental about every thought that comes into your head. You um, can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can stop it from building a nest there, right? So you can't necessarily control the first thought that pops into your head, but you do have some control over whether you're going to ruminate on that, whether you're going to rehearse that over and over again. So some beliefs are so deeply ingrained in us that maybe for the rest of your life, it might pop up. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. One for me that has popped up all the time is I should have known better. Like that is such a big limiting belief for me. And even in a very recent thing that happened in my life, you know, this past February, okay, we're in March 15th, like literally like four or six weeks ago, had a situation in my life where um, something didn't work out. And I said to myself, I should have known better. But this time I was able to move through that so much more quickly because of the mindset skills that I've built up over time. In the past, that would have sent me spiraling for weeks at a time, right? And so- I'm just sharing that to say, I didn't judge myself for having that thought. I didn't say, oh, none of, I haven't made any progress at all because that thought popped into my head. Sometimes it's just so deeply 
um, ingrained in you that it might pop up forever, but I've learned I'm not that thought. I'm the compassionate, wise observer of that thought. I don't have to believe that thought to be true and start to examine it and start to ask myself powerful questions. So I'm going to share four questions that I help my clients use to work through any kind of belief that they realize, oh, that is not helpful. Actually, like that is my inner jerk voice, my inner critic <laughs> so loud right now. This is not helpful. And I want to give credit to where credit is due. These are four questions that I got from Byron Katie, and she calls this the work. And so the first question to ask yourself is, is this true? And so I thought we could go through this belief together um, and to kind of examine, like, is this true? So the thought that I keep seeing come up with my clients and uh, the belief that's holding them back is, why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? So the first thing that I would ask them is, is that true? Okay. Is everybody else skinny? And is everybody else normal? Like, okay, no, not actually. Um, if we start to take a look at that. You know. In them all for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. So is that really true? That everybody else is just living this life of bliss, right. eating whatever it is that they want to eat? No, that's absolutely not true. Um, and so the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? So sometimes it will feel very true, whatever it is. You know, like my DNA is determining my destiny. Is that true? You might be like, yes, you know, and that's okay to answer yes to the first question. And then, you know, that's why you have the follow-up question. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Cause it's really trying to get you to examine and push a little bit past and really reconsider. Um, is this hundred percent true? Or is it just possibly, you know, the only thing that I'm seeing in the moment, but there might be evidence that that might not actually be true in all situations at all times. And maybe even for me right now, the third question is, how do I feel when I believe that that's true? How do I feel, think, and behave when I believe that that's true? So if I believe that everybody else can just eat whatever they want and be skinny, except for me, how do I think, feel, and believe? I feel like life sucks. Everything sucks. It's not fair. You know, um, there's something wrong with me. It's hopeless, um, depressed, angry, bitter, resentful, jealous, all sorts of things. How would you feel if you believed that to be true? What kind of feelings do you see coming up in your clients if they have that kind of mindset? Right, kind of the same thing. And I'm sure that they they ask themselves that, like, why me? Why me? And I, and, and some of it is just. I love that first question. Like, mm -hmm. is this true? Like just stopping yourself there. And if I'm saying, if I have a client that says I'm broken, yeah. like my body's broken, like, is, is that true? Is it yeah. actually broken or are there toxins or lifestyle issues or other things holding you back yeah. that is, that are making you feel broken. Um, but yeah, how do I feel when I think that is true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have so many clients who, who I think they just feel stuck, like of any, any other feeling, they're just feeling stuck. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do from here because this has been so many decades and so long that I feel hopeless and I feel stuck. Um, so that's always one of the first things that we talk about and work mm -hmm. through with my one-on-one -on -one clients, it's like, you are not hopeless. Mm. You are not broken. Like yeah. if you can get those two notions out of your head, 
we're going to go far and you're going to make a lot of progress. Um, but yeah, if you're thinking from the get-go, I'm just a broken person. I was born this way. This is just one more practitioner I'm going to fail with. Um, then yeah, then, then we're not going to get very far because the mindset's not right. So definitely see, see those things when we, when we're talking about these questions. Yeah. And it's so important to examine your beliefs because um, your beliefs are creating your thoughts. Your thoughts are creating your reality. And this sounds like woo-woo stuff that I'm saying out loud, right? <laughs> but I just want to take a second to explain the scientific notion of this for people that are more like, okay, facts, please, Sam, <laughs> like science, please only, you know, like, so it's true. There is actually in neuroscience, they've located a specific region of the brain called the reticular activating system. They can identify it on the brain the same way that they can identify, this is where your hearing takes place. This is where your memories are stored. Here's where emotions, amygdala, frontal cortex, everything. It's called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is essentially your brain's filter. And what it does is it shows you to pay attention to relevant information. And it literally deletes out information that it deems to be irrelevant to you. So imagine, you know, through your five senses, if you were to actually process all of the stimuli that comes in through your five senses, it would be completely overwhelming. You know, our brains are very powerful, right? But our brains are also very efficient and they're wired for survival. And so your brain's going to pay attention to most importantly, the negative or the threatening things in the environment. And so our brains are kind of automatically set to look for the negative. That's not a bad thing. It's a survival mechanism. Um, we can influence our brain to show us what we want to see. This is called priming. And so think about when you want to buy a new car and you've decided I'm going to buy um, a, a red sedan. So you're looking up all the red sedans online, all of a sudden you're driving on the street and oh my gosh, there's so many red sedans on the road, right? Are there really more red sedans on the road now? Or was it just that your brain was filtering that out? Because previously it was irrelevant to you. And now you've primed your brain saying, this is important information. So now you're seeing it for the very first time. So that's an example of how we can actually prime our reticular activating system. So this is important when it comes to beliefs because what's happening is our beliefs are our brain's filter. Our reticular activating system is saying, show me evidence of these beliefs being true because they're true and filter out things that contradict them. This is why people get so, um, you know, stuck in, uh, um, cemented in their belief systems, right? Where they literally cannot hear another perspective. They don't even want to hear another perspective because it feels completely threatening. And we just go into earmuff mode, especially at the Thanksgiving table, or, you know, right. about politics, religion, whatever. Like we just get so cemented into our beliefs. It's a survival mechanism. Your brain um, doesn't show you evidence contradicting your beliefs. So of course it makes sense that you believe what it is that you've been told that, you know, I have a slow metabolism. I have evidence to prove that to be true. Um, I fail every diet I ever try. Yes. My brain is giving me evidence that that is true. But what if you had a different belief? As soon as you ask yourself a question, wait, what if you didn't fail all the diets? What if the diets failed you? All of a sudden you're asking your brain a more powerful, effective, helpful question. And your brain will then start to search evidence of maybe that's true. Oh, Maybe I didn't get the correct information. Maybe I was doing my best at every given point in my life with the information that I had at the time. 
Okay, great. How does that feel? How do you think, feel, and behave when you believe that to be true? So it's kind of making a big shift from true versus false to helpful versus harmful. How do you think, feel, and behave when you believe that to be true? Because beliefs are optional. You get to actually choose at a certain point in your life. Yes, you've inherited all these beliefs, but at a certain point in your life, you're an adult now. Like, do you want to hold on to these? And if so, why? Like, are they actually helping you or might they be harming you? And if they're harming you, what if you just let that go? What if you choose a belief that actually would help you? And this is called rewiring your brain. And your brain is, is plastic. It's called neuroplasticity. Up until probably the 1970s, we believed that our brains, like you couldn't really change them. Like in childhood, they were forming. But then once you get to be an adult, you can't really change them. Science has just proven that. You can actually change and rewire your brain at any point in your life, neuroplasticity. And that's incredible. Um, so there's so much hope that you really can change a belief. You can prime your reticular activating system to give you evidence of a new belief that's helpful to you. Yeah, that definitely gives people a lot of hope that, like you said, it's not just, I, I just, I'm at, I am who I am. Like there's, yeah. there's no way to change it. And we can, we can look at the calorie method for weight loss. That's like such a good example is mm -hmm. you probably thought I've tried so many methods for weight loss. I've tried all the programs that are out there. I've tried Jenny Craig. I've tried Weight Watchers. I've tried cabbage soup diet. Mm -hmm. I've tried, you name it. I done, yeah. I've done it. But what those all have in common is that they're calorie reduction methods for weight loss. Well, like you said, all those methods are very similar. We just don't see it that way. We see it as we've tried all of them and they've all, we've failed them all. But like you said, it's like the program, the basis of that model is failing us. You're mm -hmm. not failing. It's the basis. It's the model that fails. Um, yes. So yeah, so turning that all around and turning a negative into a positive can really take you a long way. So I love that. Yeah. Did we get through the fourth question? I can't remember. Did we get through them all? The fourth question is, so the first one is, is it true? The second yeah. one is, can I absolutely know that it's true? The third yeah. one is, how do I think, feel, and behave when I believe this to be true? Yep. The fourth one is, who would I be without this belief? Okay. How would I think, feel, and behave if I didn't believe that to be true? What would be different in my life if I released that belief? I love that. Yeah. And so what if you released the belief that everybody else can just eat normal and be skinny? Maybe you would, maybe you'd be open to re-examining what normal even is. Right. Maybe you'd be open to re-examining if skinny is even the goal, right? Like, so it kind of just opens up our brain to get out of that stuck place, right? We're just circling through the same spiral of negative, unhelpful thoughts, and we're not moving anywhere. What if you believe, what if you release the belief that your body is broken or that your body's fighting you? So if you can get to that place where you realize, oh, okay, well, yeah, if I didn't have that belief, actually, I probably would do behave much differently. I would be hopeful. I'd be willing to try one more thing. You know, I'd be willing to try something that I haven't tried before. Um, I would have a little bit more belief in myself. I'd have a little bit more compassion for myself. Um, I would believe that I'm just as worthy as anybody else is of, you know, whatever. I would forgive myself for past attempts that I thought were failures, whatever it might be. And so once you realize that there's so much hope and so much light and so much help on the other side of who you could be without that belief, then you want to practice a turnaround statement. Like try on the opposite of what it is that you believe. So if you think 
my body is fighting me. What if you believed my body is on my side? My body is healing me. My body is doing a good job. What if instead of my body is broken, it's no, the food system is broken. My body is perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, the, the environment is broken. Then you could change the environment and you wouldn't feel so stuck. So you could practice a turnaround statement. Um, you know, for this one, why, why um, can everybody just out, why can everybody else eat normal and be skinny? If, except for me, it's so unfair. You know, what if the statement then is, um, you know, I do eat normal. Everybody else doesn't. That's right. kind of the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. And what if that's true? So we could start to examine that. And I think that's worth a little bit of a discussion point here. Like, and I want to, I wanted to hear from you too, because what even is eating normal? Have you ever had asked a client that question? Like, or what do you think the perception is when somebody says, why can't I just eat normal? What is it that they're actually, what do they think is normal? Right. And I think what a lot of people's perception of normal is that they can eat whatever they want, whatever they're feeling, whatever is available in the grocery store without any repercussions or side effects or getting ill because you know, big food has failed us. 80% of the foods in the grocery store aren't even really foods, but the perception is that they're foods and that they're healthy. And you know, at least most of them were, are perceived to be healthy and the healthy whole grains and the healthy cereals and the healthy breads and the whole grain, this and whole grain that. So our perception is that these foods are healthy, <laughs> but they're not. So like you said, it's, it's, it's changing that perception of what is normal, mm -hmm. normal food to me and normal eating to me is eating what God intended us to eat and what's here naturally. When you yeah. change the, the whole mindset of what's actually normal, it's kind of like you said, it's like, Hey, like there was nothing wrong with me. There was a lot wrong with this food. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people's perception of normal eating is, is skewed. And like I said, they think they should, they think it's in the grocery store. It's in the aisles. You know, I've seen it marketed as this or that this, I should be able to eat this and my body shouldn't get sick or sh shouldn't get fat or overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just feel like the food industry has done people such a disservice because we don't trust our bodies. Our hormones are whacked out. We're insulin resistant. So we have not only just the mental part of it with, with the mental thought processes, processes and the mindset piece, but physically we are ill. And that drives our thought processes. It, it drives, you know, a, a healthier and unhealthy microbiome, which then, you know, is messing up our hormones, which mess up our thought process. And, you know, it's stemming back to the food and what is normal. And I think, you know, everybody's perception is a little different. Like what's normal to you is completely abnormal to me. Um, but I do talk about this in a lot of podcasts with kids, especially kids perception of what foods are healthy and normal is so unrealistic. Like they mm -hmm. think all the processed foods are normal and the real foods are strange, you know, mm -hmm. like kids come over to my house and see avocados and green olives and even some cheeses. And they're mm -hmm. like pistachios, macadamia nuts. They're like, what are those? That's <laughs> weird food. It's like, 
No, it's food. (laughs) What you are having at school lunch is not food. Um, So it's like, we have so much working against us, but when we can change our perception as, okay, what is normal eating is normal eating foods that we are meant to eat. Um, you know, we can, we can start some healing there. Um, and it, and it takes us a long way, but I think everybody's perceptions a little bit different based on, you know, how you grew up, how your family ate, what your friends are eating. And, you know, we live in different areas. So what's considered normal and common in the Midwest is probably different than where you you're what Southeast, right? I'm in uh, Virginia beach. So East coast. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You know, probably just even a little different there, but mm-hmm. it's like, you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle a lot of times with, with what's perceived as normal. So yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I have two, two veins of thought that I want to make sure that we hit on. One of them is this idea of eating normal means eating without any restriction, but I want to circle back to that and, and, and focus on what you're talking about too, which is normal and common are two different things. Right. So what we're talking about right now, what most people say when they want to eat normally is they want to eat the common foods that everybody else is eating. So what's popular to eat or what's common to eat in this culture is what most people are referring to when they say that they want to be able to eat normal. And I actually, I have a pretty um, new client and I was planning on talking with you about this long before I even started with this client, but this just goes to show how often this comes up. It literally comes up for me constantly with clients. Um, and it comes up when clients are talking about changing lifestyles as a family and thinking about their kids and changing how their kids are going to eat. And it's almost like they think that they're doing a disservice to their kids right? to um, not let them eat normal foods. Right. That they feel like they're going to, they're worried that they're going to give their kids some type of hangups or that there's going to be some bullying or something like that. So in particular, this new client, um, her child has some specific health challenges and they're working with a, um, a holistic practitioner who I'm like, this is fantastic. Like this practice, they're like, they've got it coming from all sides by working with me on the mindset and everything. And then this um, holistic practitioner is explaining to them, um, okay, if your child continues to eat this way, this is what's happening in the brain. This is what's happening in the body. It's literally irritating all of this stuff. Um, Sugar is lighting up the same um, chemical pathways uh, from a dopamine response as like cocaine, right? Right, yeah. Yes, yes. And so, I mean, this these are facts, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen this to be true with neuroscience. And so here's my client going through this experience and it's such a beautiful thing because, and I know that you resonate with this as well because I've heard your story about you know, moving heaven and earth to try to get help for your child who is undergoing health challenges. There is nothing more powerfully motivating than a love of a mother for the child. Yeah. And so it's just so aligned that she started working with me. And then all of a sudden she's going to see this holistic practitioner regarding her child and child's way of eating. And everything is coming together with, with perfect synergy because Honestly, her motivation was waning a little bit for herself. Like just as she was doubting, like, oh, this is too hard. Does this even really matter? Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, okay, well now it's like my child has to eat this way to live an optimal life. I will do anything for my child, right? Why wouldn't I do the same thing for myself? So she's going to benefit from doing the actions, changing the health and nutrition for her child, right? Um, Where am I going with this? She says, her and her husband immediately after this doctor's appointment, they go to the mall, they start walking around, they're talking. Um, 
And both of them are feeling like, but they don't want their child to not live a normal life. And this is like a big hang up. Like they want them to be able to eat birthday cake. They want them to be able to eat the school snack at the school parties and yada, yada, yada. And you feel like you're almost like cheating them out of some really valuable experience or that they'll be like the weird kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was able to talk with her and kind of discuss the difference between like, okay, are we talking about eating normally? Or are we talking about eating commonly? Right now we're talking about eating commonly. You know, obviously everything that you just said is right on. This is not real food. Processed foods are not real food. All of the sugar is not real food. Normal is how humans have eaten throughout the history of human existence, except for probably the last, what, 70 years, years, 50 years. Yeah. That was normal. This is not normal, but this is common. And so I just challenged her a little bit. I was like, whenever you have the thought, I want my son to be able to live a normal life. Replace that with, I want my son to be able to live a common life. How's that feel? Yep. That's not what you want. Right. No. And you don't even, it's not even about living a normal life. You want him to live a thriving life. You mm-hmm. want him to live the life to the fullest potential that he can possibly live. And here's this doctor telling you that if you just shift your food a little bit, like it will like not only, um, you know, heal what's going on right now, but give him a chance in the long run at living a completely normal life in all other capacities. If we just don't eat normally, which really means don't eat commonly. Right. Um, Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And so you're right on about, you know, this isn't, this isn't normal. These are not normal foods. These are just common foods. But then the other one that you mentioned, and I've had clients say this to me as well. When I say, what does it mean to eat normally? And basically they just say, it means to eat without restriction. Mm-hmm. Like I can just eat whatever. Cause that's what everybody else can eat. So like to have any restrictions feels like it's not normal. Um, so, and I also noticed like with the intuitive eating movement, which is pretty big. Um, and actually I'm a fan of intuitive eating, but I feel like I can't practice intuitive eating when my system is hijacked. Like my blood sugar is hijacked, you know, processed foods are hijacking my brain. Exactly. I'm not in touch with my intuition. I'm uh, addiction is speaking, um, inside of my brain, not my intuition. Um, what do you make of this whole, like, you know, because there's like this big movement of now of like, you don't have to eliminate any food groups. Um, you know, there are no good and bad foods, everything in moderation. You know, I'm sure you probably hear this a lot with your clients too, right? But that's, that's what it is to be normal. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. This is probably the toughest topic that I face as a practitioner, um, who with people who have either a seen other dietitians or other health professionals, or, you know, they just grown up with that messaging of you can eat everything in moderation, listen to your body. And I see, you know, there's certain practitioners who I see every single day, influencers, you know, passing this message. And, um, that's, that's their main promotion, um, as to the, how to eat. Um, but I do just want to say real quick about what we were just talking about too. I, it, it, I feel so frustrated for parents who want to do good and well for their kids and want healthy kids. Like you look around and they're more overweight kids than not. And no parent sets out for their kid to be ill. No parent wants them wheezing with asthma and not being able to run down the basketball court a couple of times without being out of breath. Nobody wants that for their kid, but our food system has set us up to fail. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the messaging we get as parents, the nutrition messaging is very inaccurate. So they think they're doing well, 
and yet their kids are getting sicker. So it's, it's so frustrating. (laughs) Um, But like you said, if we can even just change the whole mindset of parents and they model it for their kids, it does come around. My kids are 18, 16, and 13. My 18 year old who has gone to college now, she knows like it's, it's in her head. Like I eat whole real foods. This is how I feel. I don't eat whole real foods. This is how I feel. It's like A equals B and you figure it out and you hope, you know, if you've done your job as a parent, and I shouldn't even say that because people, kids, you know, it's like once they leave, they're out of your control. Um, but you just hope that you've taught them when they're under your care. But if you don't have the correct messaging to begin with, it's very frustrating. (laughs) Um, but going back to the intuitive eating, and the eating everything in moderation, food companies love the message of eating mm-hmm. everything in moderation. And, of, and um, sadly, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is sponsored by huge corporations, Coca-Cola. Um, I mean, there's just all of these companies who want dietitians and health professionals and nutritionists to be spewing this message, all foods in moderation, everything can fit not for everybody. (laughs) Like if you want to get well, and if you want to recover, you can't eat everything in moderation. A lot of times, if your goal is to recover and heal your hormones, then you have to do what it takes to heal the hormones. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm with you. I would love to be able to tell everybody to eat intuitively. You want some chocolate chip cookies? have 10, you know, if that's gonna, if that's gonna make you feel better, if that's gonna set you up to not binge later, have 10 cookies, but it doesn't work that way for almost anybody. Um, so healing the underlying hormonal issues, healing the insulin resistance, balancing the blood sugars, you know, then you can listen to your intuition. And if you have a balanced body, balanced blood sugar, balanced hormones, you're, your brain is not screaming at you to eat 10 chocolate chip cookies. I mean, mm-hmm. you just, you can maybe eat a bite of something sugary and be like, Oh, wow. Wow. Like that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it's just, it's, it's tough. So I am all for intuitive eating if you have healthy blood sugar and yeah. hormones, but nine out of 10 people don't. And so right. to spread that messaging is just doing them a disservice because it's just going to make them sicker in the long mm-hmm. run until they get their hormones under control. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's That's true. my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because we think that it's normal to be able to eat without restriction. First of all, I don't really like using the word restriction with my clients. I like to encourage them to use the word boundaries. And so we all have boundaries around what foods we eat. Even your friend that eats everything actually has some boundaries around what she will eat. Are we eating wood? Are we eating paper? Are we eating poop? You know, are we eating cyanide? Like, no, we're not. We are determining that some things are not actually considered food. So we probably shouldn't eat them. Right. (laughs) And some things are poisonous. So we probably shouldn't eat them. And this has been true throughout the history of human existence. We just don't tend to think about it right? Like look at like all of the major world religions, they have dietary laws. Like there's a reason for that. It's because they realized, you know, and they assigned the meaning to God says this, but they realized like, okay, we probably shouldn't be shellfish. I don't know that we didn't have like the ability to clean foods. Like we did back then. Like we're not going to eat pork because pork is considered an unclean animal. It rolls around on its own poop or whatever. Like, you know, there were reasons that it was actually unhealthy at that time and uh, culture to not eat those foods. And so, 
you can connect some of these like religious dietary laws to actually having some health validity behind them, whether you still practice them today or not. It's just an example that throughout the course of human history, people have practiced boundaries with food. This is not new. It's not like everybody just always ate whatever they wanted. I mean, literally like the story of Genesis opens up with like, God created this whole garden. Don't eat these though, you know? So like literally food boundaries have existed from the beginning of time, whether you believe that to be literally true or not, right? And then like, you know, just think about like hunter gatherers foraging in the forest. Like sure, they passed it down through oral tradition, but it's like, no, no, don't eat those kind of mushrooms. Those are poisonous. Don't eat these kind of berries. These are poisonous. And so you're not going to eat things that you know are bad for you, even though they look really good. We've been practicing that as a human race forever and ever. Um, So if we take a second to actually examine, wait, is that true? That to eat without restriction is normal or healthy? No, that's actually not true. And it, 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 it's not even, it hasn't even been true in the past. Like we might think so. Of course, now, like you walk into the grocery store, you have so many more options for non-food things that people are encouraging you to eat as food or things that are actually harmful or even poisonous to your body um, that we're just normalizing as food today. Yes, certainly it's much more prevalent, but it has always existed throughout the course of human history that we practice boundaries with food for a reason. Right. And our food's been manipulated mm-hmm. so much in the last 50 years where it's like, hundred years ago, people didn't have to deal with the manipulation in the food with the sugar, the salt, and, um, the oils that get you to the bliss point, you know, Mm -hmm. that bliss point where foods are designed to be addictive. And then, yeah, we just, we think there's something wrong with us because we can't stop eating when they're designed that way. So we've got, we've got a lot of things working against us, both physically and mentally and our food system. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, and another thing I wanted to say is a lot of people that you think look healthy, like you might look at somebody and say, wow, she's really looks really healthy. I wish I could be like her, or I wish I had a body like her or where they're dealing with their own health struggles that you have no idea about. I have gotten so many clients who I think like, oh, that this lady's been a runner for 40 years and Mm -hmm. she's actually kind of underweight. And it's like, I meet with her and she's got gastrointestinal problems that you won't believe bloating every day, poops once a week, um, you know, feels terrible. She's limited to eating five foods, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like the perception is you look at a person who's passing by and think, Oh, if I could just be thin, like her, where really she is struggling with her own health issues inside. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about people metabolically who look like they're healthy and they're not, they're the skinny fat person who is really metabolically unstable. So yeah, I know you wanted to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you did a good job bringing that up. And, and I also wanted to add to that. So like, yeah, if you, if the belief is, um, why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? Okay. So then you have this like examples that your mind is giving you. No, I, I literally have a bunch of friends and they all eat whatever they want and they're all skinny and it's so unfair. Like they're all eating pizza and Chinese and burgers with the buns and tacos and, you know, yada, 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 absolutely everything high carb not caring about anything, drinking all the alcohol and they're skinnier than me. And it's just not fair. Like I'm the one who's broken. I'm the one who screwed up. You know, I grew up with a twin sister who was tall and skinny and I was short and fat and people would say it to my face. Right. 
I did not understand how are we eating the same food, the same Dunkaroos, the same Taco Bell, you know, but my body's responding to it completely differently. So yeah, people, um, you know, underneath the surface, just because their body is a normal size or what a size that you deem to be something that you wish that you were, it doesn't mean that they're actually healthy metabolically. And if you follow that person for 10, 20, 30 years down the road, like it does catch up. Um, you know, my sister struggles with her weight now and I'm a normal weight. So right. like the, ro- the roles have completely flipped and it's because, you know, eight years ago at this point, I, I completely changed the way that I was eating. And every time, you know, she does, you know, of course she drops weight like crazy. Some it's, it's hard, right. To, to stick with something, um, long-term, but it's interesting because at first everybody thought that I was completely nuts and just thought that I was doing another fad diet or whatever, but little by little results don't lie. People come to me and ask me questions for advice and for recipes and all of those things. Um, but yeah, so things can be uh, lurking beneath the surface. You're right. It doesn't mean that people physically feel well just because they're in a smaller body than you. Also mentally, it doesn't mean that they're well at all. Like we're talking on the topic of like disordered eating, like the most important thing to me about my transformation was not the 50 pounds that I lost, but the food freedom that I gained because my thoughts are completely freed up. I was never present. I was always obsessed with, with um, calculating every calorie that was going into my body it was horrible. I missed out on so much of my life because I was so focused. Imagine what I could have done. You know, like I, I, it's so sad. And I grieve for that younger version of me who lost out on so much because I was taught to count calories at 10 years old, because I was taught that there was something wrong with me. And that the only way to have any hope of a normal life is to just, you know, be obsessive about this forever and ever. Right. And so, yeah, your skinny friends, probably don't feel food freedom. You know, they might be feeling self-judgment and they might be feeling bloated and you don't even realize that they could be beating themselves up every single day. They could be struggling with disordered eating and you don't even know it. And you're just so jealous of their life. I talk to my clients who are losing weight and they're gaining that food freedom and they're feeling so much better in their bodies. Their inflammation is going down. They're not obsessing in their thoughts. They're not judging themselves every day as a failure. And there might be a friend that's still in a smaller body than you who is in mental anguish and severe physical discomfort every day in a smaller body than you. And you're in a larger body, but you have so much more benefits and food freedom and health. If you look at it in a holistic way than they do. And over time, the weight is going to continue to drop off and yes, you'll get into a smaller body, but what's more important, you know, when you think about that, I'd rather have the food freedom. I'd rather have less pain in my body and know that it's literally just the only um, factor here is time and it's coming, you know? Yeah. And I would say more females than not have Mm -hmm. those thoughts, those obsessive thoughts and males too. But I just as females, like I had those thoughts since, I mean, going back to high school, it's just been the last three years, I would say. And I'm like you, where I don't think about food until it's like, I'm really hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even then, like, sometimes like I could take food or leave it. Like that was not me. Like even three or four years ago, like I was eating from the time I got up in the morning, thinking about how many snacks I'd need to take on the road. If I was going on errands or whatever, when I could, I be back to make sure I could eat my lunch, (laughs) you know, it's like, and it was absurd. Excessive. And you would look at me and never think that I'm thinking that all day. Um, my, my weight was managed, but then I did have years where my weight wasn't managed. And that was like, all you thought about, like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to wear this because it's tight or, you know, and it, you just felt terrible. And I think, you know, kids are dealing with this even more so than you think, but, 
I get this feedback from my kids all the time too. My kids are all thin and in mm-hmm. healthy weights, but I still get the, the flack from them all the time. When I say, you know, I'm not buying bread, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, there's substitutions that we can make. And, um, <laughs> just, just a little side note, a couple of nights ago, we were, um, staying at somebody else's house and my son found a pack of ramens and he's like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm eating these while I'm here. I've never had them before. I'm like, no, you are not. And he wanted to eat them at like nine o'clock. I'm like, sorry, mm-hmm. like you're still under my care. You're not doing that, like, yeah. especially not at nine o'clock. And he'll be like, well, so-and-so brings those every single day, two packs of those every single day for lunch. Wow. And I'm like, so-and-so is not healthy. And, and this child is already unhealthy, but a lot yeah. of them are like, well, so-and-so does this, but he's thin, he's yeah. healthy or she's thin or she's healthy. And just like you said, I, I say this to them all the time. You'll catch up with them someday. Yeah. You'll be thinking me someday. Like I, yeah. it's my best interest to feed you how I want to feed you while you are in my care. And I'm trying to protect you. I'm your mother. <laughs> like, yeah, I know a lot about nutrition, probably more than I want to know. Sometimes yeah. it's like, I, sometimes I wish I didn't know as much as I did, but same thing. And it's, Mm-hmm. You do. You just want to say, okay, in 30 years and they can't see 30, they can't see 30 days in front of them, let alone 30 years. So it, yeah. it, it's tough with kids. So, you know, my heart goes out to all you parents trying <laughs> to, yeah. to make healthy foods, normal and mm-hmm. common foods, <laughs> not normal. It's, it's yeah. really tough. So in closing, is there anything else that you wanted to cover with the mindset, I know you wanted to talk about your class a little bit more, but anything else that you wanted to, to kind of discuss before we close out? Yeah, just kind of probably to wrap it up, just as a reminder, you know, you're not your thoughts. You're the compassionate, wise observer of your thoughts. Learn to um, separate yourself from your thoughts. The very first thing that you can do is when you have a thought that is like a negative or critical thought like that, um, just instead of saying, um, I'll always be fat, just put a, three words in front of it. Is it three words? I'm having the thought that. So four words. Just put, I'm having the thought that I'll always be fat. And that's the first step to start to distance yourself from your thoughts or to remind yourself, I'm not my thoughts. I'm the compassionate, wise observer of my thoughts. So that's just step number one is just to gain some self-awareness. If you feel like you don't even have the energy or whatever to start questioning any of these things to go through those four questions, just this week, just start practicing. I'm having the thought that. And then when you feel ready to start challenging your thoughts, okay, good. You know, like I'm not my thoughts. I don't have to believe every thought that pops into my head. Like then you can actually start to question yourself, go through those four questions. Is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I think, feel, and behave when I believe it to be true? Who would I be without that belief? And then try a turnaround statement. What's the opposite of that? So, you know, for the one that we've been doing, like, you know, why can everybody else just eat normal and be skinny? Is that true? Absolutely not. One, one out of every three people is obese. Another one out of every three people is overweight. So two thirds of people are overweight. You, you have a one out of three shot of being at a healthy weight in today's, you know, normal like culture, right? Of course it's not true. So we're going to start to challenge those things. And, you know, eventually we're going to realize, okay, this, this belief isn't helping me. It's harming me. Can I release this belief? What would be a turnaround statement? I do eat normally, or I eat foods that bless my body right? For, for yours, you know, some of your examples, like my, my body's fighting me. No, my body is serving me. My body um, loves me. My body loves me back. 
you know, or I eat foods that love me back. Like you can start to just practice affirmations and then you're going to rehearse those over and over again. So I have a class this month that is actually all about overcoming self-sabotage by rewiring our beliefs because self-sabotage quite simply is just when your behavior comes back into line with your beliefs but beliefs that are not helpful to you, beliefs that are actually harmful to you. So it happens to the best of us. We can try to operate outside of our beliefs, but eventually we always come back into line with our beliefs. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, I have a whole class this month on how to work through that. If this, if these beliefs are not resonating with you, the class helps you actually nail down what is my belief though? What's the one that's actually causing me to self-sabotage and how can I work through them? So if anybody's interested in learning more about that class, you can go over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class. And hopefully we can put the link there in the show notes as Absolutely. well. We'll put the yeah. link for that class in the show notes. When is that something that you have a concrete date that it goes? No, it's a pre-recorded class. So when you, when you buy it, you get access to it, to watch it whenever is convenient for you. You'll have access to it forever. It comes with a recorded video. It's got worksheets that you can print off a fresh worksheet. Every single time you encounter a new belief, you can, you know, bust out your journal or print off a new worksheet and work that through. Excellent. We'll make sure to link that. Where else can we find you? If we want to find out more about you. Yeah, I am at the Keto Fit on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. And I actually have a podcast as well. It's called Self-Care Keto. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. We'll put all your links in the show notes. And this conversation was really interesting, really enlightening. Like you said before, I think we complement each other very well. I do more of the nutrition education, the, the physical part, um, you know, healing the hormones and then the mindset work. You're so excellent at that. So it's great to have you on as a guest. Thank you for all the work that you do. Hopefully lots of people will come your way if they're needing some mindset work. Thank and you. yeah, thanks so much for your time. And we might even bring you back for a third time. Thank you too. I would love that. All right. <laughs> Have a great day, Jess. You too. Why are we always more focused on our past failures than our past successes? We don't give ourselves nearly enough credit for all the things that we've accomplished in our peak moments or for all the things we've made it through in our lowest moments. Confidence means trust, so self-confidence really comes from self-trust. What if you stopped beating yourself up for not feeling motivated? What if it actually wasn't a problem? What if you felt inspired instead? Motivation is pushing yourself to do something, but inspiration is being pulled toward doing something. When we have some fun and get clarity on the future we desire, we can actually feel pulled toward it like a magnet we move in the direction of our focus. In this month's mindset class, you'll reframe your past and get crystal clear on your inspiring future. The class is called Confident and Inspired. And in this class, you'll celebrate your past accomplishments and give yourself credit for the things in your life other than just weight and body image. You'll get in touch with your persistence and let her show you how much she's brought you through and how strong and resilient you truly are. You'll feel confidence now, rooted in self-trust, long before you reach your goal weight and as you pursue your goal weight. You'll have fun dreaming and getting super specific on the future that you want to create for yourself. You'll create a blueprint for your life so that you're ready to start construction. 
you'll ditch the short-term motivation for an infinite supply of life-giving inspiration. When you sign up, I'll email you access to the recorded class, and you can watch it whenever is good for you, and you'll have access to it forever. It's just $22. To get class access today, head over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class, or grab the link in the show notes today.